Hello and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast. In today's episode, Danette and I talk about public speaking, what to do if you're feeling nervous and how to perform well. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to this edition of Magical Learning's podcast. My name is Danette Fenton Menzies and I'm the Director of Learning here at Magical Learning. And today I'm joined by Jez, or Jeremy as he's known to me, but Jez Fenton Menzies, who's my son, but he also works with us at Magical Learning as well as does a number of other things. So Jez, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and share a little bit about yourself. And also, because today we're going to be talking about public speaking and not getting nervous. So I'd love for you to share some tips on that too. Sure. All right. Well, thanks, Mum. Uh, so if you're listening to this, you will recognize my voice because I'm the voice at the start and end of all of our ML podcasts. So today I will be in the actual podcast, which is pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, so some <clears throat> and magical learning. I do all the uh, some media stuff. I sort of help with the video side of things. I'm, I help do some of the uh, website type stuff. I obviously help with the podcast. And, uh, and so, yeah, so that's what I do at Magical Learning. And then uh, in my sort of free time, I like to do a bit of stand-up comedy, a bit of hosting and presenting as well. Uh, and just, I mean, a bunch of other random stuff, but that's primarily what's important and relevant here today. So, yeah, so uh, it's good. But I think also we, we discussed this podcast that you're listening to right now actually came up because uh, I was recently performing at the Melbourne Comedy Fest and someone asked me if I was nervous and mum was there as well coming to support, which is very nice. And someone asked if I was nervous and I said, oh, not really. Uh, I feel like it's going to be fine. And then they were like, oh, that's weird. And then Danette, mum, also said, yeah, I don't get nervous either. And so I thought that could be an interesting topic to talk about because I know a lot of people do find public speaking very nerve wracking, but weirdly, neither of us do so so i thought it could be helpful to talk about why we're so calm when it comes to public speaking and and maybe things that can help people out yeah i love that and yeah. um you know jez actually came up with the idea for the podcast in the first place so kudos to you on that jez because we've been going over 12 months now which is awesome yeah so um in terms of public speaking and you know, your comedy and stuff like that, what do you do to make sure that your message comes across clearly for people? So I think uh, as if anybody's ever been to an open mic comedy night, they'll know that that is one of the struggles of everyone that goes up there. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. The whole point is that uh, you're just working out how can I best frame this so that people can understand the premise and get on board with it, especially with stand-up comedy. Uh, for me, I think it's. Uh, I think one thing that's really important uh, for me is is at least seeming like I'm relaxed. I don't know if you find this as well, Mum, but yes. uh, the more calm I pretend to be, the more calm I've ended up becoming throughout time. So it started off as something I was pretending to do, and now I actually do feel relaxed. And I think it's, I, I yeah. What, what about you? What uh, what sort of things do you do to help get the message get across? It's, it's sort of the same thing. So um, the brain science, which we talk a lot about in some of the podcasts, is all about your, your body sort of signals to your brain what's going on. So if you pretend to be relaxed, eventually your body goes, oh, well, and your brain goes, oh, I must be relaxed. And so that obviously works with your brain to help getting messages across. The other thing I do is if it's something that I know um, I've got time to prepare for, so unlike improv where I, I 
do need to do some preparation. Spending a bit of time preparing just settles me as well. That, that really helps too. And I found a great quote, and I'll share a couple of quotes today. And this was from Mark Twain, who says, it usually takes me more than three weeks to prepare a good impromptu speech. So, you know, when, when it looks really easy, there's usually been a lot of background work happen to make it look easy and even when you're doing improv jazz you've done lots and lots of practice to get to that space i bet Mm, yeah and i think i i definitely think that helps i think it it helps knowing as well uh sort of what your weaknesses are as well i think but that only comes with experience you only work out oh you know for example when i started doing stand-up I uh, I had a real terrible problem of I would go up, I'd have five minutes that I'm allowed to sort of interact with and do five minutes of stand-up and I'd get a minute in and either become too nervous or I would forget everything and I'd just run off the stage. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, but I guess at the end of the day, the, um, in terms of understanding my weaknesses and, and then I guess the second part of that is being able to s- sort of contextualise it and work out how bad is it really. So... I mean, initially, I think I was just setting the bar too high for myself personally, where I was like, oh, I really want to go out and be really funny. But when I changed kind of what I was trying to get out of the thing, which was, can I get up there and remember everything? That weakness then sort of provided a goal. And so it didn't matter if I was funny, but as long as I remembered everything, that was the first goal. And then this, you know, the second goal was, can I stay up there for more or less five minutes? And I remember when I achieved that, even though it wasn't funny, it was good. And I think by setting those small goals and then achieving them, I feel more comfortable on stage because I, I feel maybe better to uh, establish goals that, uh, uh, sort of achievable and I think that was a that was a massive problem that I had when I was nervous now I'm not because I feel like I have the goals that I have set for myself are more achievable I understand my weaknesses a bit better so I can trust myself a bit more to uh to sort of yeah if I if I feel like I'm really struggling or at least I've been there before or, or I've experienced worse you know I've or I've forgotten everything <laughs> and run off the stage after a minute and so you know yeah it's like even worst case scenario I'm gonna hit some of the goals that were goals for me back back then they might not be now but at least i will have got to that level and then that's at least something yeah. well, what about and, you mum and i was going to say even just that not quitting so mm. yeah it's you know we won't always get it perfect and that's okay it's it's going okay what can i learn from that last thing what can mm. i do slightly better and as you said do those little goals rather than trying to make it a massive big thing because mm. i think that's often where people get so overwhelmed it's like oh well it's got to be perfect and it's got to mm. be this 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 and it's the brain goes ah and then it's too much versus okay well i learned something from that one um mm. i'll do that again <laughs> but i won't do that one again so that yeah. can be really helpful Sorry, yeah, and, no, that's right. And one other thing that uh, I do often say when people talk to me about public speaking and uh, they say they're nervous is the chance the chance of you doing a ten out of ten speech is so low. Like yeah. just uh, like there's you know there's a lot there's you know only a handful of really famous speeches in the world. Yes, and that was right place, right time, right topic, right. That was everything went exactly right. So the chance of you hitting that is not it's not achievable so don't set your standards that high set them at something that's you know and the other thing as well as that i say to a lot of people is that uh with with speeches especially i think you know most speeches in your life you're not going to remember that's and it's okay to be in the group of 
un, unmemorable speeches. That's completely fine. That's that's actually a good place to be because, you know, most speeches from year 10, I'm sure you don't remember any of the people that, you know, stumbled across lines or anything like that. It's not something that people hold on to. So that even if you're just passable, if you're four out of 10, that's a really, that's a very solid speech. You should, you should be really happy with that. That's, that's fine. And, and uh, I think people are also very forgiving as well with public speaking because they know it's nerve wracking. So they do give you a little bit of leeway. Yeah. But what about you, mum? What sort of um, failure type things or lessons have you learned? Uh, through this. I think understanding my brain has certainly helped me. So I know if I'm standing there and something's disappeared, then I've changed my breathing. So I immediately go, breathe deeply, Danette, it'll come out. And so I'll often use the audience then and say, now, what was I just talking about? My brain's gone. And they'll go, oh, you're talking about this. Or they'll go, oh, we don't remember. And I go, okay, that's obviously time for a break now anyway. So, so understanding that for all of us, when we get a bit nervous, we hold our breath or we breathe really, really shallowly. And that's going to strip the blood flow away from the remembering part of our brain. So the moment that happens, the moment I can't recall what I was going to talk about next, I actually just now go, okay, settle, Danette, relax yourself, do those deep belly breathes. And, you know, talk to the audience, find out what's going on for them. And you know, I think that's one thing for me I've learned in public speaking, that using the audience is actually really important because otherwise they're just being spoken at, um, particularly with the stuff I'm teaching. And so to be able to have that interaction makes it more like a conversation, which I think is really helpful. Got, got another question for you, um, Jez. What are some other things that you do um, to calm yourself when you're doing public speaking? So you've shared a couple, but I'd really love to know what other things do you do? Uh, yeah, so good question. I think uh, things that I've done to sort of become calmer, like I said, I have a lot of trust in myself now, but that also is because I just put my th myself in situations in terms of open mics and uh and other public speaking things where I really just took a lot of chances just to see what would happen. Like I uh, did two stand-up comedy things in a row where I didn't prepare any material. I just went up and just was like, oh, let's just see what happens, you know? <laughs> and so, and I learned quickly, it's probably worth preparing because I went up, <laughs> uh, but it was interesting to see what happened. What, what did happen was I went up and I, I had one joke that I could start with. So I could just at least sort of have a, like a sort of jumping off point. Uh, and then once I got past there, what was interesting was my brain kind of entered this panic mode, but it was not the same as it was when I first started and I sort of freaked out. Instead of what happened was it, it did this weird thing where I kind of thought about a bit of stand up I hadn't written or thought about in probably six years. It just sort of tunneled back to this random piece. Wow. And so I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. And then that's, I think that helped me uh, just through that pressure situation. It's made me feel more comfortable that if I really get stuck, I don't feel like my mem something in my brain will sort of pull a release switch and help me out. Uh, but usually if I'm, if I'm feeling nervous, uh, for example, actually on Saturday, the last show of the comedy festival, I realized that uh, no one else was going to be funny. I was on a panel. It was like a quiz show for people in Australia. It was uh, like any panel quiz show. QI is probably the best example that's most internationally known. But I was one of the team captains and I realized no one else was going to be funny. Like they just, people weren't going for jokes or anything like that. 
Um, and in that case, I just uh, I just took it upon myself to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of trying to add jokes to the thing. So I think, I, and I and I realized even if I'm not going to hit all the jokes, if no one else is even trying, at least what I'm attempting to do is going to be helpful. So nice. I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's about A, kind of reading the situation, like you said, and knowing what the, and sort of seeing what the audience wants. Um, but yeah, for, for me, it's, it's just, uh, I, I, I do feel like, um, I'm not as, I'm not as stressed out anymore. And I do feel like I, I kind of, I'm just, just Zen in a, in a, in a lot of ways. I'm just sort of in the moment. And if it, if it's bad, it's not going to be as bad as running off stage <laughs> a minute in. So <laughs> what, what about you, mom? So I, I know one of the things when I'm going in to do, say, public speaking or training is that I set an intention about service to the audience. So it's about how can I share stuff that's going to help them grow, learn, et cetera. And that takes the focus away from me. So I make it much more about them and I leave anything else that's happening at the door. And so I literally come in and I just am fully present doing that nice deep breathing. And I try and connect with a few audience members because that makes me relax. And in fact, um, this sort of comes to the next question I'm going to ask, but I'll share my thoughts first. And first of all, I'll share a quote from Richard Branson, which talks about picture yourself in a living room, having a chat with your friends. You would be relaxed and comfortable talking to them. The same applies when public speaking. And one of the, the next question I had for Jez, but I'll share my answer first is, what are the things that you think that can help calm you? And I always think when I'm going into a presentation, I'm going to meet some new friends. And so for that, for me, then sort of doesn't make it us and then it makes it us and we, and it that for me really makes it nice and fun. So then I joke around, laugh, smile, et cetera. So what are the the things you think in your head, Jez, that also help you be nice and calm and, and relaxed? Mm. So uh, this, is a, this is a good one. And what you're saying kind of, uh, this is a good bit of advice I got early on from someone that, the audience wants you to do well. Yeah. They're, they're on your side. They want you to do well. They don't want you to fail because then they have to sit through, you know, five to, you know, an hour of something boring. They want you to be good. So so you shouldn't go in afraid of them. They're on your team. So as long as you can, if you can, that's, and what you're talking about, audience interaction does help with that. It helps uh, build the rapport and make them feel included in it in a way where you're saying, hey, you're in this with me, exactly what you're saying. But yeah, I think definitely just that thought that, uh no one's out here wanting you to to suck they actually want you to be good and and so don't be afraid you know that they're gonna boo you if you start doing anything people are really on your team they want you to do well um and i just remembered one quick answer for the last one as well yeah of course if you're not used to standing up in front of places one thing that used to spook me i realized early on and one of the reasons i'd forget everything was uh the sort of I guess it could be real or metaphorical spotlight. I used to actually get stunned by the spotlight. I'd get up on the stage and then when I looked at the light, I'd get confused. So I actually found that if I rocked up to the venue a little bit earlier and just stood up where the stage was with the light so I could get used to that feeling, at least then that that's another variable that's not in your way. You're not thinking about it uh, and it's not going to stun you. And I, I think Again, that's something you can only learn with experience what's going to do that to you. But I think get, giving yourself the time to be there early and just sort of feel the room out can be something yeah. if you're really nervous. I feel like that did help me out a lot. Yep. I, I often have people say to me, oh, I won't be good at public speaking because I'm an introvert. Because um, I think that that's 
just you have to be an extrovert to be good at speaking in front of others. So I'd love your thoughts and your experience in this, Jess. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, I think that that may come back almost to the previous point a little bit about the audience thing. I think extroverts are more comfortable in audiences just because that's their more that's their more preferred zone. Whereas introverts, it's more about you know, spending time by yourself and stuff. But I do actually think that being an introvert on a stage is a really special thing because oftentimes you'll have, because you've spent so much time alone, either studying what you like to study or watching what you like to watch, you'll have this fun depth of knowledge that uh, you have, you now have a chance to talk to people about in a way that they want to listen. So if it's, if you're an introvert, it's actually like, there's a lot of introverts that do stand up comedy because it's a, one of the ways that they can express themselves where they have everyone's attention. It, now everyone is paying attention to you and they have to listen to what you're interested in. doesn't matter what the topic is. This is uh, your opportunity. So, yeah. So I think it's a, I think if you're an introvert, it's actually a, it's a very valuable thing to do. And you'll also, cause the other thing that's good. I mean, this is just open my comedy specific, um, but it, I think it's a good public thing, public speaking skill. If you do just an open mic just once, you will meet a lot of introverts as well. And that's, that would like, that's a good way f- to make friends as well. And and once you meet people before the show, you can, they, they'll be on your team you know, more and more, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's just a good opportunity to, to actually have people listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, you know, I'd certainly see myself as I'm on the border of introvert extrovert, but I think I'm more an introvert because I fuel myself by going away and doing that research and stuff. What about you, Jess? Uh, yeah, I'd say uh, I'm right on the borderline as well. Uh, but I, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think like, I do have some extroverted tendencies and introverted tendencies. Uh, but I think it, it's all, all the things that make my stand-up good are usually what I found from my introverted side. You know, it's all the weird niche things that I've learned about uh, or thought about are the, the fun, interesting parts. So if you are introverted, I definitely say it's it's a great opportunity to to utilize this knowledge. You know, yep. yeah. And, and you know, last question I suppose is. Yeah, why why would why should people put themselves in the position where they're uncomfortable, they're in front of other people? What what's the benefit for them for doing it and learning to become nice and relaxed? Mm. Well, I think uh, again, I think what one thing that I've realised while we've been talking that we both share that I think is the key thing is the ability to be present, which is I think the ability to trust yourself. Uh, and so when you go in, if you're underprepared, you still feel comfortable that you can deliver something valuable. Uh, and I think that putting yourself in this position, it is uncomfortable, but you do build this, this sort of deeper, almost connection with yourself because you can understand your own stresses and you can understand your own weaknesses. And if you're then willing to go, well, this is just something I can work on and I can understand it better. You will feel much more comfortable to talk to more people. I used to do a bit of account management, uh, for a branding company and uh, all the public speaking stuff that I'd done, that uh, uncomfortability did help me move, uh, work in more uncomfortable situations as well later, uh, which I think I wouldn't have been able to do if I hadn't have sort of spent more time working on this uh, and developing it. Uh, what, what about you, mum? What would you say? Well, I know I we deal with a lot of clients that talk about one of the issues at work is that people don't communicate effectively. So being able to learn to stand up in front of people, you can influence small people. So it's not just a one-on-one, it's one-to-many. And, you know, most workplaces, communication is a, a skill that 
everyone needs. Unless you're working entirely by yourself in a bubble, you do need um, that ability to be able to communicate with others. So learning to be able to get up, to present clearly, to be relaxed so that the audience also relaxes with you. Because one of the things we know is that if people are watching someone on stage, if that person is calm or they're smiling, etc., people will reflect that back at them. So being able to do that, whether it's stand-up comedy, whether it's doing a team meeting, running a strategic planning session, any of those, being able to be present, calm, have fun, really does make a difference, not just to yourself, but to those that um, you're trying to convey a message to as well. Mm. Um, I've actually got one question for you, Mum, that Excellent. I was wondering. Uh, so this is this could be a little bit inside public speaking, but I hope it'll help people out. How do you uh, prepare differently for, and, and also what things do you keep in mind for longer presentations and uh, versus shorter presentations? Mm, great question. So we know that most people's brains, um, after about 10 minutes, they're going to lose attention. So with the longer presentations, I'm making sure that there are breaks, um, that there are activities that they can be doing. This is whether they're in person or virtual. And it could be simple, as simple as turn to the person next to you and share you know, some of the insights you've had from this last little session. It could be sharing a quote and getting people to think about you know, what comes from a quote. Um, or it just could be getting them to stand up and do activities as well. Even with short things, it's trying to think about what are the key takeaways I want them to have and how do I message that in a number of different ways? So, you know, if people are more visual, how can I show that? If they're, you know, I know there'll be some people that are more auditory, so how can they talk about that with one another and hear it? People who are more tactile, what can they do? Um, in order to be able to engage with that and also having the logic in the structure. What I know is the longer the sessions, you don't want lots more points because otherwise the brain just goes too hard. So, you know, what are three key takeaways, whether it's a 20-minute session or it's a, you know, five-hour session, what are the key things? And obviously in a five-hour session, they're going to get more detail than, say, a 20-minute but not trying to have, okay, well, I've got eight hours or seven hours, so I'll have 15 different points because people are just going, no, it's too hard. So for me, it's always looking at how can I give them that value through activities, breaks, et cetera, as well. And, and I actually have one more question I've now realised, if that's all right, this is the final <laughs> one. Because um, I've, I've realised this is also a very famous nightmare scenario for people, but I think uh, maybe we can both give an answer to this. Nice. What would you do, Mum, if you uh, showed up somewhere and you were just incredibly unprepared and you hadn't really thought about a presentation and you had to give a presentation? Because I can imagine, I, I feel like this is what could mentally be going on if you're really anxious or something and you had to give a presentation. Like, what if I have no idea what I'm talking about? What, what in that nightmare scenario, is there any tips at all that you would give anyone in that scenario? And, and in fact, I had this once and it wasn't that I wasn't prepared. It was that the people who were sending me um, was in Tasmania. So they sent me to Tassie. The notes didn't arrive and the presentation didn't arrive. So I literally, I knew what I was going to be teaching, but it had a blank canvas. So first I apologised that the stuff didn't arrive. And then I got a sticky note. So I love sticky notes. And I wrote, what are the key points I want them to take away from today? 
And then because I've designed lots of activities, I asked them what did they want from the day, talked about what I'd sort of prepared and then made lots of activities for them to contribute as well as me contributing. And that actually ended up being such a fun day because it was really based entirely on what they want. So I think when that happens, you just got to go be honest with them. So I was really honest. I said, look, the materials haven't turned up. Nothing's turned up. So I know what we're covering, but hey, I apologise that this ha this has happened, but let's let's work together on this. And they were a really good audience. How about you, Jess? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, as I said, it has happened to me uh, a couple of times and I've deliberately walked into it a couple of times. Nice. I would say uh, one, one thing that I uh, would definitely agree with is the audience participation. The more you can use them, even if it's badly, even if it doesn't really work, the more yes. that they feel involved, even if it's sort of going chaotically, I feel like that's definitely a good uh, point. And then also uh one good uh, little hack that people will always give you time to drink water. So you can take as long as you want to drink the water and give yourself just, you know, what if it's 10 seconds of drinking water, you've got yourself just a small pocket to think about maybe what's the next topic I can talk about. And also I guess sometimes even if something's a little bit, uh, not entirely related and you're completely stuck and you had no idea if you can give something that's tangentially related, hopefully as you're talking, you'll curve it back in to the topic that, and, and that can happen from questions as well. Someone can ask you a question and you can slowly, as you're talking, try and curve it back in. Uh, yeah. And yeah, but I definitely think audience participation is the helpful thing there. Yeah. 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 Do you know Amy Cuddy's Ted talk, Jess? No. Okay, so Amy Cuddy does this thing about the power pose. And one of the things she says when, you know, you're, you're not feeling so confident, holding yourself like Superman with your arms up high or Wonder Woman with your arms on your hips or your waist is a good way, holding that sort of for two minutes. So you could say to them, look, I've just got to go to the toilet, go in there, do the power pose. Um, and you, you reminded me with the water. Water is drinking water is a great way just to get your breath back to calm yourself down. And I'd say if you're nervous, making sure it's a warm water rather than a cold water because that constricts the vocal cords, um, but not boiling water because otherwise, you go, ah. <laughs> Any other bits of advice, Jess? I would say if you're feeling really, really nervous, if you're super nervous, uh, one thing, I mean, I don't know how how uh, professional this is, but one thing I like to do is have a beer. I feel like just one <laughs> beer is a perfect amount of, uh, it, can just, it can just suppress the very top peaks of the anxiety for me so that they just become a little lower. I wouldn't have more than that though, um, yep. <laughs> but, but that can be just, just enough to just uh, cool you down just a, a hair. I don't yeah. know, but again, if you're doing something at 9 a.m., I don't think that's probably appropriate. <laughs> probably <but. laughs> the other thing I, I like to do sometimes is just move. So do the shake off because that sort of lowers that peak of the, the nervousness and that. So I've seen people sort of move around a bit, jump up and down. That helps them get rid of those nerves as well. I've got mm -hmm. a funny um, quote to share, Jez, see what you think of this. So... Adam Juritz, who is the vocalist for the rock band um, Counting Crows, says, people ask me if I have stage fright. I say no, I'm completely comfortable there. I have rest of the day fright. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Jez, thank you so much for being on this podcast today. And um, I'm sure we'll, we'll get you back for more podcasts later on as well. Yeah. And thank you so much for 
editing them every single time we send them out. That's all right. By the time you listen to this, it has been edited by me. So uh, <laughs> I've been involved in this twice. <laughs> so wishing everyone a magical week and we will talk to you on the ne- next podcast. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Magical Learning Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I got a lot out of it. If you're new to the podcast, you can go back and have a look at some of our older episodes. We've got webinars in there, but we've also got shorter episodes that cover more specific topics. Otherwise, you can always follow us at all social medias. We are Magical Learning on most things, including YouTube, where you can see old webinars and extra information. Have a magical week.